Hey guys, thanks for joining the Radiate Church podcast today. I'm Brandon, the lead pastor here at Radiate, and I'm honored that you jumped in to hear this message. I hope that it challenges you, inspires you, and leads you to the life God intends. Enjoy the message. them get a ton of screen time in but we'll let them watch that and they want to watch it from food lion to my house like it's ridiculous at this point they love it they know all the words i never thought i'd know all the words to the songs and i was singing the song as he was singing it just now so if you heard a better voice than his it was mine okay um in the in the crowd so uh i want to talk as we start today on at the movies week one you can go ahead and turn in or on your bibles to matthew chapter eight is where we're going to hang out today matthew chapter eight is uh, where we're going to be. Now, I love this movie because I look at this movie and I see a lot of similarities. How many of you know that sometimes you can see a movie or you can see things that never were meant to be spiritual and get a kingdom principle out of it, right? There's kingdom principles everywhere, and I believe in this movie there's a ton of kingdom principles. I remember when I was watching The Greatest Showman, and this scene came up towards the end of the movie, and as uh, we were watching it, I was sitting there, and I was like, oh my goodness, like that scene hit me in a very real place in my life, and I, I went back and I watched it like three or four times on that moment as part of the reason that I know the cli- uh, the song probably, because it was just such a powerful truth that uh, P.T. Barnum, and some of you, listen, I don't want you to go home today and be like, hey, the pastor said that the greatest showman in P.T. Barnum is Jesus. That's not what I'm saying, all right? I don't want you to go home today and talk about that. What I want you to go home today and know is that there are kingdom principles in anything if we look for them. You know what I'm saying? And so I watched this movie and I was like, dude, that reminds me so much of Jesus, right? It reminds me so much of Jesus because you're watching the clip and I want to I give you some backtrack, some, 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 some background on uh, P.T. Barnum and the rest of this movie. And don't worry, it's not a spoiler alert. It's not going to give the movie away. Go see the movie. It's great. Uh, but the truth is that uh, he's talking, and he's in this moment, and he's in a bar uh, drinking his sorrows away because he's down, he's depressed, he's discouraged. Some of you are offended that there was drinking, and there was a guy that was drinking, and, and, and you're like, I can't believe you showed that in church. But we'll let our families go home and do it, and it's okay. But anyway, um, we're getting started. Here we go. And, and the truth is, that is, he's there because he's depressed and he's discouraged in his real life. That's what people turn to sometimes in, in life. And so he's there. He, he has this circus idea. It blows up. It does well. But throughout the course of the success that he's having, there comes this series of events that doesn't happen the way that he planned for it to happen. And so he gets down, depressed, discouraged, and frustrated about the whole thing because he can't, you know what I'm saying, like he didn't plan for it to end the way that it was ending. He didn't plan to sit in a bar not being able to pay the people that were helping him in his business. He didn't plan for that, and so he's down, depressed, and discouraged. Anybody ever been like that? And like, you got this plan, you know what I'm saying, and it's not working out according to plan, and because it's not working out according to plan, then now uh, clearly it can't be uh, God's plan because it's not working with my plan. Come on. I know I'm not the only one that's been in that place, right? And, and, and so he's there, and it takes some people coming and reminding him. We'll talk about that in a minute. I don't want to jump ahead in the message, but it takes some people coming and reminding him of what they're doing. And, and, and if you watch the news today, I was reminded this week of this message clearly. I've been, we've been preparing this message in this series for months, and i so grateful for so many people that make it happen. But as you watch the news today, you see celebrities that have taken their life, right? 
And you see people all over the news that are searching for things and searching for hope and happiness and, and, and sustainment and joy. And I just, need to, I just need to make this disclaimer because I feel like there's not enough uh, pastors and, and spiritual leaders, spiritual voices in the world that are speaking to this. The, the can answer is they're searching for fulfillment that only Jesus can give. And because they're searching for fulfillment only Jesus can give and they're not allowing Jesus to fulfill it, they aren't getting the answer that they need. And so they end their life. And while I would agree with that, I need to let you know that it is okay. Mental health is a real issue in the world today. And some people need actual help. And I need you to know that if you're in the room today and you need help with mental illness or thinking about hurting yourself or others, the truth is we encourage you to go and get professional help we are not going to look down on you for that we are not going to scorn you for that in fact I will praise you and lift you up for that because there are real needs in the world that medical doctors need to heal and for too long the church has been so quiet that we say if you pray more fast more and get in your prayer closet more it fixes everything and while Jesus can fix anything the truth is we need professional help sometimes and that's why God gave doctors to heal help us Without a doctor in my life, I wouldn't be standing on this stage because I have a, a pacemaker in my chest that makes my heart beat because I don't have an underlying heart rhythm. And without this piece of equipment that a man made, I wouldn't be alive today. So don't tell me that Jesus is the only one that can heal something. He can use somebody to heal your situation just like he can anything else. So if you need help, go get help. Go get help. Look on the internet and find help. There are people that will help you get help. You know what I'm saying? And so we're in this thing, and, and as I'm watching the news, and I'm watching all these celebrities and these people, here's what I'm reminded of. These guys were high-profile people that took their life. And that's why it's getting attention. But all throughout Kershaw County, Richland County, all over the state of South Carolina and the nation of the United States, all over the globe, there are people each and every day that are searching and seeking that can't find the help that they need. And they take their lives at an early age because they can't find it. There are people that are looking for something. And, 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 and I've just I've thought about this this week, and I've prayed about it, and I feel like some people, what they're seeking, most people, what we're seeking, whether we deal with that or we don't, the truth is most people need to know one thing, that they matter. That they matter. That they may mess up. That they may lose the position at their job. They may not get the pay raise. They may not get the promotion, but they still matter. It may not turn out the way that you thought it would turn out when you started the journey 15 years ago, but you still matter. No matter what you've done, you still matter to me. You still matter to God. You still matter to family, and you still matter to yourself. People need to hear that. People need to know. In fact, we practiced that this morning. In our pre-service rally, I had our team all look at each other and find a partner and say, you matter because. We need to try that sometime. Look at somebody and just look at them and go, you matter because you're in my life. You matter because you're an encourager. You matter because you give life. You matter because, you matter because, you matter because. Because I'm telling you, people need to know that they matter to us and they matter to God. And so if you're taking notes, and I really, really hope that you do today so that you can go back and hold your spouse accountable for what I'm talking about today. That was a joke. It, it's okay. You're awake, right? It is 1130. It's midday. It's okay. If you're taking notes, I hope that you are. You can write down the title, You 
matter. That's what it's all about today. I want to read Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 4. The verses on the screen are going to come up in the Message Bible, because I like the way that that says, but I'm going to read it as well out of the New American Standard. Verses 1 through 4 of Matthew chapter 8. Are you ready? All right, here we go. When Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. And a leper came to him and bowed down before him and said, I want, you to, I want you to watch the wording of this, right? A leper came down before Jesus and said this, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Let's just pause for just a minute. Just leave it on the screen. Just pause for just a minute. He looks at him and he says, in, in the message, it says, if you want to. In my version, it says, if you're willing. In other words, the leper is looking at Jesus and saying, if it fits in your plan, you can heal me. How many times do we go to Jesus and we don't care if it fits in his plan, we just want it to fit in ours? Hey, I need you to do this for me, not because it, it expands the kingdom and not because it fits in your plan, but because I need the money and I need you to save my mistake. Come on. Right, let's just be honest. I do it. And the truth is, is that a lot of times, if it doesn't fit in the plan of God, then he doesn't need to grant the prayer to begin with. I think years ago, Garth Brooks got it right. Anybody Garth Brooks fans up in the house? Oh, more than in the 10 o'clock. Well, nobody in 10 o'clock would admit it, but, you know, I don't know why. I love Garth Brooks. He's still got that show. I don't know if y'all have seen him lately, but he's got this mic that looks like a, a darn clown nose on top of his, on the mic, and it's like right there in his, his face. Him and Britney Spears. I don't know why. But anyway, he had this song years ago, and you, I'll let you finish it, right? And it said this, Sometimes I thank God for unanswered okay anyway sorry I wasn't gonna do it I wasn't gonna do it I just can't I can't hold back I'm going to Spotify and I'm gonna subscribe to a Garth Brooks channel and I'm gonna listen to that and our radiate church worship monthly picks channel all together like I'm gonna intercede like I'm gonna do this between the two because they fit right not really but anyway I think I think Garth Brooks actually had it right sometimes our greatest gifts are the prayers that God never answered in the moment, we're upset about it. God, I need that money. God, I need that promotion. God, I need that title. God, I need this. But God's going, it doesn't fit in my plan. And if I gave you what you're asking for, you haven't grown to a level of sustaining it. And because you can't sustain it, if I gave it to you, it would destroy you. I know you want that extra money, but you don't know how to budget what I gave you. And you'll go into bankruptcy faster with more money. I know you want that job promotion, but you're not ready to handle Pete. You can't love people enough to take the title. You don't want the responsibility. You want the title because responsibility takes discipline. And you haven't developed discipline yet. And because you haven't developed discipline, if I gave you the title, it would destroy you. Are you with me? I know you want this healing, but if I gave it to you in this way, it would be all about you. He looks at him and says, if you're willing or if you want to, you can heal my body. Now, let's read in verse 3 what happens. Verse 3, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing. In other words, it fits my plan. Be cleansed, right? And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. That's, that's an incredible thing. But then he says this. This is crazy. I've always, it just dawned on me in the past two weeks why Jesus says this to people. He looks, and this is not the first time he says it, nor the last. He says, and he said to him, see that you tell no one. In other words, I just changed your life forever, but don't tell a soul. I've always been like, that's weird. You know what I'm saying? Like, anybody ever called something in the Bible weird? Oh, y'all scared to talk about that. 
Y'all like, I ain't talking about that, Pastor. I call stuff in the Bible weird sometimes. There's some weird stuff in the Bible. He says, I, I just changed your life forever, but go tell no one, but go show yourself to the priest and present the offering that Moses commanded as a testimony to him. And I always thought it was weird until it dawned on me that he looked and he said, what you say will not have as much impact as what you show. And what you show proves the healing power. And if you say it before you, he says, go back, show the priest, and then make an offering that Moses from the Old Testament, everybody will say the Old Testament is, is no good. The truth is, Jesus looks at the man and goes, the, Moses from the Old Testament, from back in the day, go do the testament, the altar, build the altar that he told you to build to sacrifice. Here's what he's saying. Dedicate the healing that just happened in your life back to me. Because this healing is not about you. This healing is about my kingdom. This healing is about me. Because what do we do a lot of times? Every time, some, God will change our lives, right? And we will go and tell people, and I think we should tell people. We need to tell everybody. We need to bring people and let them experience what God's doing here at Radiate Church. I believe that with everything inside of me. But here's the truth, and we need to tell them what he's doing. In this. But here's the truth. He looked and he said, before you say a word, I need you to dedicate the miracle back to me because it ain't about you, and I need to make sure that in your heart of hearts you have dedicated the healing that just took place back to me and not making it about you. I need to make sure that it's not about your reputation but about my kingdom. You with me? And we got to make sure that when God changes something in our lives, we don't just run around and tell people so they're like, oh, my goodness, you tithe? I tithed for six weeks, and God just blew my, blew my finances out the water. You tithe? That's amazing. You make money now. I don't know. You prayed, and you fasted, and God came through in this way. God healed your body, and most times we get addicted to the popularity that we get from it. And God wants to look at us and go, it ain't about your popularity. It's about my kingdom expanding all across the earth. I need you to go and, and give the sacrifice that... Moses told me to give, told you to give. I need you to go back and do that because it needs to be dedicated back to me. But I love the, the history of lepers, if you'll allow me about 15, 20 minutes to go into this today. The history of lepers is that if you had leprosy or you were sick like that, that you were an outcast. You weren't even allowed to shop in the same areas at the same time as everybody else. It was he healthy. And, and the truth is part of that is because it was incredibly, incredibly contagious. So there's some safety side to it, but isn't it just like religious folk to go, I know we're trying to be safe, but I need to outcast you because of your sin and your problem because here's what the religious folk did. They didn't look and start, and the Pharisees and the priests are the ones that started doing this. They didn't look and go, it's safety to keep you away from me so I don't get sick. They looked and said, you're cursed. Your parents or you did something in your past to cause you to have the outward condition that you have in your life right now, and because of the outward condition that you're living with, I need you to stay away from me. You need to go live in a different commune. You need to go live in a different neighborhood. You need to go live in all these different places. You need to shop somewhere different. Don't even come out your house in case you need to because I don't need your nasty, cursed breath in the air that I breathe. Listen, that's how it was. And so when Jesus is crazy, Jesus is coming off the mountain, and he's coming off this mountain from, from having communication in a, in, a, in a really supernatural experience with God. He's in conversation with God. He's learning about his next step with his father and all these things. And he comes down off the mountain from a very intimate moment with God. And the first thing that it says happens is a leper came to him. And all these people were around him. But isn't it kind of interesting? I just picked up on this. Like, you're welcome. This is brand new for you and me. The truth is, isn't it interesting that there was a large crowd of people around him, but there's only one man that was at the bottom of his barrel that ever asked anything from him? 
There was only one man in all the crowd that recognized the power that Jesus withheld or held within him. And Jesus, and he looked at Jesus and said, if you can, will you give me the power of healing that you with? There's, there can be crowds of people all around Jesus that don't recognize the power that he has. In other words, there can be crowds of people that file into these chairs every single week and we never tap into the power that God has. The power of healing in Jesus' life. And so the leper looks at him and I can just imagine the crowds are like, get him away from Jesus. Jesus don't need to get sick. God bless, I don't need to get sick. I'm not getting leprosy. Ain't nobody going to look at me and say that I'm cursed because I'm doing everything about the law. Get him away from Jesus. Jesus, you don't have time. In fact, you see later on in the scriptures, not just this, not with this moment, but where disciples were pulling sick people away from Jesus. Like, get away from Jesus. He's Jesus. Don't you know he's Jesus? And, 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 and it's amazing. Like, you got to understand, and it reminded me of P.T. Barnum in this movie. And they didn't even mean to make the correlation, I'm 99% sure, that P.T. Barnum went to people nobody else wanted to be with and said, let me give you a platform for your deformity. How many times does Jesus, every, when he rose up out of that grave, when he hung on that cross, do you know what he did? He looked at you and said, in the midst of your deformity, let me give you a platform to expand the kingdom. In the midst of your mess. And what everybody else thinks is a deformity and nobody wants to be around you, nobody wants to touch you, because here's what I'm picking up on from Jesus, and I see it in this, in, in this, in this movie a little bit too, is this, that Jesus wants to make a miracle out of your mess. Listen to me. Jesus wants to make a miracle out of your mess. Because I know that some of you are walking around and you hear this story about a, lepros- a man with leprosy, and you go, I'm walking around with leprosy. Nobody wants to talk with me. I'm secluded. I'm by myself. I'm lonely. Nobody wants to mess with me. Nobody likes me. I got it wrong. My parents, I got generational curses all over me from what my parents did. I can't keep a job. I can't do that. I've just got leprosy. I can't, like, nobody wants to touch me. And Jesus is going, see, nobody might want to touch you, but I do. But the Lord does. But the king does. The king ain't afraid of your mess. In fact, I believe he looks past the outward mess and into what the inward miracle can be. I believe that. The reason I believe that is because I've messed it up so many times, it ain't even funny. I've messed it up in ministry. I've messed it up in life. I've messed it up in leadership. I've said things wrong. I've done things wrong. I've thought things wrong. I've done things that I knew were wrong, and I did them anyway because, after all, he died on the cross so that I could do whatever I wanted to do when that's not freedom. That's manipulation. And he looks in it, and I've done all of that, and in the midst of it all, Jesus looks and goes, when you're ready, to get your act together, I see through them in your mess into a miracle that I can use as a platform to expand my kingdom all across the earth. And the truth is, he looked in the movie and he saw these guys that were struggling. Nobody else wanted. And here's what he said to them essentially. He said, the thing you think disqualifies you, I'm going to use as a platform to grow something bigger. And Jesus, I believe, says this every single time that there's a miracle done and in our lives every single day. He says this, the thing you think that disqualifies you is the very thing that may promote you. Let me give you some examples real quick if you got time. You with me? Let me give you some examples. You got Moses back in the Old Testament. 
Jesus shows up to Moses, and he looks at Moses. God shows up to Moses. He looks at Moses. He says, in a burning bush, and he looks at Moses. He says, hey, Moses, I need you to release the Israelites from the captivity of the Egyptians, from the slavery of the Egyptians, and I need you to go and do that. And Moses immediately responds with what? Excuses. I stutter. I can't talk to people. I'm not respected. I killed an Egyptian man. I, you know, all these things. Like, I can't do this, God. And there comes a point where they're bickering back and forth almost. And God's like, no, but you can and you will. No, but you, you know, they're going back and forth. And then all of a sudden he looks at Moses and he goes, fine. You don't want me to heal your stutter? I'll bring somebody alongside of you that will fulfill the weakness you have and he has a strength in it. Your brother Aaron can speak with eloquence. You can't. Boom, there you go. Fixed your problem. Now what? And the very thing that Moses thought disqualified him from the call of God is the very thing that God used to promote him to bring the Israelites out of Egypt and into the promised land or set them up so that they could go into the promised land. Moses is a great, massive example for this. David, King David, King David was looked over for the army as his brothers were picked. The, the army, the generals in the army looked at David and they were like, you stay here and take care of the sheep, little boy. Let me take your brothers because they look bigger, stronger, and more burly than you do. They look like Austin. You look like Brandon. And so they looked at David, and David was looked over. David came and saw a miracle through Goliath, the, de the, the death of Goliath, as he was just doing his job. And then he was promoted to the palace to where he served King, David, uh, King Saul. And then King Saul tried to kill him out of jealousy. And David then eventually, through a series of events, became the king. And the truth is, many of us are praying that we come into the palace as the king, but we haven't learned how to serve a king that we're under yet. We want the leadership position, but we don't know how to serve anybody else. I can't look at you and go, what's your vision? How can I make your vision happen? Because what I'm learning is what I make happen for others, God will make happen for me. And the truth is, you can't be an effective leader until you learn how to serve and love people. That's why we got so many dictators today and not enough leaders. I demand something from you, but I don't know how to love you and get it from you. And so he went through and he did his process. That was free. You're welcome. And he went through his process. He was promoted up, and after his mistake, man, David was king, and David went and had an affair, caused a woman to have an affair on her husband who was fighting a battle, got her pregnant, and then sent her husband out on the front line of the war and killed him to hide his sin. You know what Jesus, I mean, God still said? He's a man after God's own heart. Yeah, pastor, I love that scripture because that tells me that I can go and do whatever I want, and God's still going to love me. No, I want you to understand the wording of that. It wasn't that he could do what he wanted. It was the posture of his heart after he, did, he messed up. He went through in a series of events that screwed it all up, but God looked at him and said, your posture is different. Now, his leadership changed after that, but the truth of the matter is that God still redeemed and made a miracle out of his mess because that's what God does. So you're telling, and, and don't go do any of that, okay? Don't go home and be like, the pastor said, no, the pastor already said all that. You got David, you got Paul, who was Saul, who killed Christians. He was on the road to Damascus to go kill another group of Christians. He was doing everything he could, and he met, and the Lord showed up, knocked him off his donkey. There's a funny line in there you could take if you wanted to. Um, knocked him off his donkey, put scales over his eyes. Calm down. Put scales over his eyes, changed his life. Listen, he sent somebody to pray over him to unwrap him, to remove a stone in his life, and he changed his life in that moment. Listen, 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 listen. The very thing that should have disqualified Saul is the very thing that allowed God to show up in his moment and change his life and change his name forever. 
The very thing that you think disqualifies you today may be the very thing that qualifies you for promotion in his life, in your life, and in his kingdom. Come on now. He looked at the disciples. This is the ultimate promotion to me. He looked at the disciples, 12 guys, one of which he knew was going to disown him. He knew was going to betray him. He looked at 12 guys, and he said this to the 12 guys. He said, hey, you were discarded by every other rabbi because of what you didn't know. But I'm looking at you, and I'm seeing past your lack of knowledge. I'm seeing past your mess, and I'm bringing you into my fold so that when I die and I'm taken back to heaven and I'll come out of that grave, you'll come out of the grave, and the entire world will be flipped upside down, not because you're qualified by your knowledge, but because you're qualified by your posture. God looks past our mess. And makes a miracle. One quick thing I want you to I want you to grab a hold of real quick in this story, and then I'm gonna move on to my last thought is that he's in the bar and he's drinking and he and, and he's down, right? He's depressed. You can see it in his face and his countenance. He's down. You ever been there to where everybody you know, everybody you come into contact with knows you're down and frustrated? Like you can't be happy. You try to smile and laugh, but it's so fake, everybody sees through it, you know? He's down and he's frustrated. And then the people of their, the, the people's lives that he changed show up in the midst of his darkness and look at him and go, I know you feel like you've lost it all. You're about to close up shop. All these things are about to happen. But Barnum, I need you to know something. Because you believed in me, I can now believe in me. When nobody else wanted anything to do with me, you did, and because you did, it changed something about me. I believe that there are people in our lives that need to us to look them in the eye and go, you matter. You matter. You matter. You matter. Well, you don't even know me. I don't care. You matter. You matter. With everything inside of you, I think there's people, and when you're in your darkest of days, ask people, have I ever impacted your life? And let their testimony come through into your life because there's sometimes in our moments where we feel like we aren't making a difference. But then there's people that come along and go, hey, you know what? I needed this and I needed that and you were the one that did it. I had somebody this week send me a message through our system of communication and said this, the video you posted about you matter, I needed because of this. I was about to end it all. And now I know that I matter. Through a stupid Facebook Live video. But we need to remember that even when we don't feel like we're doing it right, we can still change somebody's life. And the last part that I love is you got this woman on the screen and in the clip, she comes up to Barnum. And she says, even our own mothers hid us. Even our own mothers didn't want anything about us. And then I thought about that to the man with leprosy. Even my own brother wouldn't live with me. Even my own mother didn't want anything to do with me. I'm an outcast and I'm cursed all throughout life. Nobody wants anything to do with me. But because you touched my life, I was given hope again. Nothing about this man made Jesus stray away from him, and nothing about their deformity made Barnum stay away from them. Listen, here's the, here's the truth, guys. She looked and she said, my mother doesn't want anything to do with me. Nobody wants anything to do with me. And this man said the same thing, but he looked and Jesus said, no, I don't care what they say. I care what I see. 
I care what changes my life or your life. I care what expands my kingdom. I care about what you're going to do on the, in the future, not about what you're dealing with in the present. In other words, he was looking at him and going, you matter enough for me to change your life right now. She said, because you believed in us, we can now believe in ourselves. How many people are sitting in this world today that honestly don't even know if they matter? I had a conversation with somebody this morning that didn't know if they mattered. Can I tell you a quick story? You got a minute? It's a personal story. Six years ago, my wife and I stepped out and decided to plant Radiate Church and start Radiate Church. Stepped out of a ministry opportunity. I didn't know anything about planting a church. We stepped out with no budget, with only two other people that said they were going to be a part of the whole thing. Here's all I knew. I thought I knew everything because I was young and I was called. Because that's all you need to do. That's all you need to be whenever you're chasing God, right? Is young and called. And you don't need to know how to love people. You don't need to know how to get resources. You don't need to know how to treat people. You just go in like a bull in a china shop and you just, you're called. So you can do whatever you want. There's a whole lot of sarcasm in that. So we stepped out and we did this thing and we met in an elementary school for two and a half years at Killian Elementary over in Northeast Columbia. I wanted to do things my way and do it right and I don't regret anything I did to be honest with you. I just didn't know and you don't know what you don't know. Man, it was, it was, it was crazy. Two and a half years in, two and a half to three years in, can I be real with you? I was really tired. You've heard a little bit of this story before, but I was really, like, really tired. It was 24 hours a day, seven days a week for two and a half years. Hey, that's the life I chose. That's my call. That's what I, I, I bear that weight. I can complain about it or I can embrace it. I choose to embrace it because God will do something with it. Two and a half years in, I was tired. I needed a break. And to be honest with you, I was about to, I was about to quit. Either turn it over to somebody else or just close it up. I went to a conference, and uh, just give me an example. I used to, um, now over time, there were people that would show up and help take some of this off of us, but for the longest time, I was the setup crew and the teardown crew and the pastor, and I was the hype man for the church, and I was the marketing guy, and I was the graphics creation. Go look at some of our old graphics. It's terrible. Worst thing you've ever seen in your life. Put them in your garden. It'll work as a scarecrow. All this stuff, right? In fact, it was to a point where I'd run the computer and the sound during the service. My wife led worship, and she would get up there. She'd do all the announcements, all the everything, uh, pre-service. I was running the sound and computer. I was doing everything on that side. And we had roll-in videos. We had the bumper videos like we did with the 3D clip just now, but we didn't do it because it was cool. We did it because I had to get, from the time worship was over, I had to roll that video and look at somebody and go, okay, here's what you do. Just push this button, and it slips to the slide, uh, fly, flips to the slide with me. Just follow me in this whole thing. And I had to run from the media table to the stage to preach while my wife ran from the stage to the kids' area to lead the kids. We were tired. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't getting anywhere. I remember I went to a conference in Jacksonville, Florida, and I connected with a guy that I've admired from afar. He was a voice from afar for a long time. We talked, and he looked at me. He said, hey, man, you want to go to dinner after this? And I was like, yeah. It's like, I don't even have any budget in the church, but I'll pay. <laughs> so um, 
Let me say, I'm going to sit down for dramatic effect so that you kind of understand where I'm at in this whole thing because I really want you to get this. We're sitting down at the table. We're eating. I don't even know what we were eating, to be honest with you, and we're talking. And I'm sharing some of my pain, some of my frustration. Told him, I'm about to close up, man. I just don't know if I can keep doing this. Like, we're, we're just not getting a lot of people. And, yeah, people's lives are getting impacted, but it's the same, like, people and the attitudes are the same nothing's really changing I just don't know if I can sell my life to this forever I I think either I missed my call or I'm doing it wrong I could go make a lot more money and a lot more impact as an associate pastor or creative pastor somewhere I think that might be what I do I've got two churches offering me jobs right now I may just take one of those close this thing up give the all everything we got give it to another church plant let them roll and we began to talk and Now, mind you, at this point, I didn't have a lot of success to point to. In fact, it was really hard on my wife and my kids. It was kind of starting to tear our marriage apart a little bit because I was spending so much time on church, I'd never spent time with her. And the church is only going to be as healthy as the leader. So the leader never takes time, and the leader isn't healthy. Guess what? It's not going to be healthy. And we began to talk about a lot of that stuff. And I'll never forget, at the end of the conversation, it was towards the end, they were about to close up. I was about to pay for the meal, but he wouldn't let me. Praise God, because I didn't have any money anyway. And he was telling me this. It was encouraging. It was good. But he said four words to me that I still hear. Because I wish I could sit here and tell you today that I've never thought about those things again. But I can't tell you that. And the moment that I know that I hear them is the moment that I know I need to take a rest because I've overworked myself instead of allowing myself to be healthy. And so I looked at, now rest is not a bad thing, but I just, you know, so he looked at me across and he looked me in my eye, and I'm going to use Austin as an example here, and he looked at me in the eye. He was saying all this stuff, and then he said four words, and he said, I believe in you. And he's got this look, that when he looks in your eye, it's creepy because he won't look away. And I'm not a, that kind of guy. Like I'm like, let me stare at my plate for a minute. And I remember, I didn't say this in first service because it hit me as I was recounting it. The truth is, I remember I looked down and he goes, look at me. And I was like, I don't really want to right now. You know what I'm saying? He said, look at me. And I looked up and he goes, I believe in you. I believe there's a ministry of thousands in you. I believe there's multi-site in you. I believe there's internet campuses in you. I believe there's things that you need to do. I believe there's a county that needs your voice. I believe there's people you're going to unravel and set free. I believe there's things in you. I believe in you because I see what's in you and you don't even know that's in there. And I hid my tears. I got up. I let him pay for the food because I didn't want to wash dishes. I get in my truck. I drive to the hotel. I call Megan, I'm sitting in the hotel, and I'm trying to hide my crying. I still don't to this day know if I actually did it or not because men aren't supposed to cry, or so that's what we're conditioned to think. That's not true. And I'm sitting there, and I'm crying, and, because, and all of a sudden when he said, I believe in you, can I tell you something? Something jumped in me. And it was like this guy has had a church for like six months, and it's a 1,000 people. I've had a church for three years, and I hadn't even broke a 100. This guy has seen, he saw 50 people give their lives to Jesus in one Sunday, and I hadn't seen five in six months. 
This guy's got people that set up and tear down for him, and I'm, turn, I'm pulling everything from my house to the school, setting up and tear I got nothing. This guy started full time, and I had to work four jobs. But he believes in me. And I could walk away from that conference that day, and I can't tell you anything that happened in that conference, anything I learned. I can't even tell you one of the speakers at that conference, but I can tell you about that conversation. Because in the moment that I needed it, somebody looked in my eye, and they said, I believe in you. When you don't believe in you, I believe in you. When you don't think you matter, I know you matter. When you don't think you can do it, I know you can do it. I need you to know I believe in you. And if I could sit you down at a table today and tell every single one of you one thing, it would be this. I believe in you personally. I believe in what God's called you to do. I believe in God, what God's going to do. I believe in your discipline. I believe in your change. I believe in your mess. I believe in you. No matter what's on the outside, I believe on what's in the inside. Because I know what God can do, and I believe in you. And I need you to know that you matter. Because some of you walked in today and you don't know that. I talked to the same guy on Thursday. You know what he told me before he got a phone? I'm proud of you. I love you. And I still believe in you. And I hadn't even told him that I was doing this. Because there's something genuine there. I need you to know this. You matter. But so does everybody else around you. And they need to know it. And they need to hear that they matter to God and that they matter to us. Will you bow your heads for me real quick? If you're sitting out there today and you'll say, Pastor, I, I finally heard that I matter to God and seeing this story seeing the movie clip and reading the story in the Bible, I see it. I know it. I, I, I get it. Like It makes sense to me finally. Pastor, I, I need to give my life to Jesus because He gave His life for me. I need to start a new life and a new direction. If that's you today, can I ask you to do something? Can I just ask you to slip your hands in the air right now, right where you're at, so I can pray salvation with you today and just hold them up? That it is my day for new life. Amen. Now I want to pray over you. And then I want to give you a call to action today. Father, we honor you. And we worship you. Thank you for believing in us. Thank you for letting us know that we matter. Even when we get it wrong and messed up and we don't get it right, we matter. Thank you for seeing through the mess on the outside and into the miracle on the inside. Thank you for letting us know that we matter. God, I pray that we would be avenues to show others that they matter. Not just to you, but to others, to us. But God, if they know that they matter to you, that's the most important thing. Let us always be reminded of that. God, we're going to have failures. We're going to have mess ups. We're going to have down times and dark times. But the truth of the matter is, God, we matter. Even in those moments. And help us always remember that. Can you do something? Could you just stand to your feet with me real quick? We're going to sing one time and get out of here. But I want to I ask you to do something this week. I think sometimes we can come in and hear a good word but never live it out. If you look on your seat, there's little cards. And they say you matter on them. 
And we used to do this a lot, and I want to get back to it. And here's what those cards are for. They're not invite cards. They're not just for invites. We have invite cards specifically for inviting people. Here's what those You Matter cards are for. For you to go out and do some random act of kindness. If it's cutting somebody's yard, if it's helping them on the side of the road, if it's buying a breakfast and just leaving the card with somebody, whatever it is, whatever you want to do, just a random act of kindness. You don't want anything in return. And then look at them, hand them that card, and tell them in their eye, you matter. Well, sir, you don't know me. I don't care. What I know is you're breathing and you're living. And because of that, you matter today. And because you matter to God, you matter to me. And I'd love for you to join me at church. But if you go find another church somewhere, that's fine. Because you still matter. You matter. You matter. You matter. You matter. If you would, take those cards this week. As many as you want. We got plenty. Take as many of those cards as you can absolutely grab. And let's let people know throughout Kershaw County this week that they matter. Let's close out and sing in today. Come on, church. We're so glad you joined us today at the Radiate Church podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry in any way, let us know. Send us an email at youmatter.com at radiatechurch.net to share how God is working in your life. Join us in reaching others by investing today at radiatechurch.net slash give. Also, if you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast so that you can receive weekly messages delivered right to your phone. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.